Welcome to our campus ministry Bible study podcast. This is Tom Nyhart with my co-host and my wife, Jill. Hey, good to be here. We are going to start this week's podcast with a question. I Give me some characteristics of how you would describe today's current culture. Cancel culture. Chaos. Yeah, definitely chaos. Uh, offended. Lots of different things. It seemed to be a lot of negativity in our culture. Stressful. Oh, yeah. Anxious, anxiety, depressed. And I asked that question because there are things in our, in our culture that I know God is not okay with. And I know this because there are some things the Bible is very clear about. And I'm not talking about the things that our religious organizations or maybe our churches sometimes seem to be upset about. I'm talking some legitimate things that the Bible is very specific. And so to begin, I want to get into some Old Testament passages, my favorite place to go in the Bible. By the time of the prophets, the kingdom of King David and then his, his son, King Solomon, have split into two groups. After Solomon's death, his son became king, and the kingdom split into two. And after they did that, they began to move away from the ways of God, and they got worse and worse. More, In fact, the text does say they were more evil than the nations that were around them. So this passage from Amos 8, 1 through 6. This is what the sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? He asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. Then the Lord said to me, The time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, the songs of the temple will turn to wailing. Many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence! Hear this, you who trampled the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over so that we must sell grain? And the Sabbath be ended, that we may market wheat, skimping on the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. So what are the, what are the things in this passage that seem to describe their culture? Uh, a lot of dishonesty. Um, their culture, uh, they're trampling the needy and they're trying to get rid of the poor people. They're selling... Oh, yeah, they're selling the sweepings, like stuff that's not even the wheat grain. Stuff that's not even worth yeah, it's, anything. It's chaff. And they're so caught up in wanting to make money uh, and be greedy that they can't wait for the Sabbath to end so that they can start selling again. That kind of sounds like some of the same problems we have today. Oh, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it sure does. So how about this? Uh, how about these verses from Habakkuk chapter two? Oh, the four woes. Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Woe to him who builds up his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. Woe to him that builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from wineskins till they are drunk so he can gaze on their naked bodies. Habakkuk 2, 6, 9, 12, and 15. So what does all this remind you of? Uh, unfortunately, a lot of things that are happening in our culture right now. I mean, 
people taking advantage of each other, things go bad and people loot. <laughs> Agreed. Greed. Yeah. Um, a lot of injustice that's happening between, you know, social classes and race wars. Now, to be clear, I'm not suggesting that everything about the Western culture or our country is bad. Running an honest business where you can make money, but you're generous and you don't harm people or you don't treat them poorly. That's a great thing. Oh, yeah. And there are honest people that we know that own and operate businesses. And it's okay to build a house, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, hard-earned gain is not <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with hard-earned, honest gain. And we bought a house in 2019, and we've been able to do some things to it and work on it and make some changes. That's okay It's to have things like that. But the underlying thing that's going on in, in these passages, and even today, it, it has to do with the oppression and the lack of regard for others. Doesn't this, I mean, to me, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe, and I'm no, sure to you, I, but doesn't this seem that God is countercultural? Well, yeah. I mean, he's telling them, you know, I see what you're doing. Knock it off. And I think he's telling us a lot of that right now, too. That's why people are having a difficult time getting along. I mean, if that's the underlying currents in our country, and in many countries. Yeah, it's just a lack of regard for each other. It, and the prophets have something to say about that. God has something to say about that. That seems that God is countercultural. Now, in the time of Jesus, as I understand the Roman world, there were four levels of class in the Roman Empire. And oftentimes, there was a large festival or a guild festival or a gathering. All the wealthy ruling class would eat first. So it would be like, let's say we're throwing this party and we invite all the top wealthy people that we know, and we invite them in, and they get to eat all all of the good stuff. They get to eat the steaks. They get to eat the rich desserts, some of the vegetables, some of the bread. Yeah, probably not much of those. They're going to go for the steak and the seafood, and the you know, because they're the they're the wealthy. They're the big cheese, you know. You would eat the vegetables. I would eat the vegetables. You're right. You're not wrong. <laughs> And then after they've had their time and had their fill, at some point later, the next class of people would come in. Maybe that's the middle class or upper middle class. I don't know what you want to call it. And they would come in and they would eat. And then might be some of the steak and the seafood, some of the good stuff left, probably most of the vegetables, some of the bread, <laughs> some of the desserts. I don't know what you have against vegetables, Tom. I have nothing against vegetables. <laughs> They're just things I like better. And then after that, sometime later, then you would have the next class of people that would would get to come in and eat. Vegetables. And yeah, I'm, I'm thinking you probably have vegetables left, no desserts, no steaks, no seafood, and maybe a little bit of bread. And then finally, maybe your your last class, your, your servants, your uh, slaves might get to come in and... Lick up the crumbs, clean the plates. Get the crumbs and clean up. Um, that was the common order of things in the Roman Empire. Or, or look at it this way. Maybe it's like a concert where the number ones get the whole concert and the number twos get to come in later and get some of the hits. And maybe half the concert, threes get the last 15 minutes, and then the fours get to hear the end of the last song and then clean up the mess. And Israel was taken as part of the Roman Empire. Uh, maybe 75 or 50 years before Jesus was born, most Jews hated Rome, and the ones that didn't were usually part of the political class in Rome, and they had benefits. Um, some tolerated Rome because they didn't want more bloodshed, and they believed 
If they honored God and followed his ways without violence, God would eventually deliver them. And then you had other religious Jews that were deeply devoted to God and wanted no part of Rome. And their idea was the only good Roman was a dead Roman. And so you have all of these different groups of Jewish people, some who who liked the benefits of Rome, some who were so devoted to God but would not have any part of Rome, some who believed and were devoted to God but would just as soon kill you as look at you if you were Roman. No matter how you look at it, Rome was an empire of might and oppression. And what was their like their main motto? Peace only comes through war and victory. Peace only comes through war and victory. Now, there's another comparison to make that I think we can make. We'll see if you can pick up on our modern-day take on these four things. But in the Greek Empire, before the Romans, and in the Roman empires, you had four pillars. Typically, try to refer to them as the four pillars of empire, and they are? Theater or media. Um, Education, which is like what we would call gymnasium, but not really the gym like we're thinking it was a place of education and learning. Um, they had arena and athletics and healthcare. Yeah, healthcare. Those are the four pillars. And what are some of the biggest things in our culture today? <laughs> Media. Yeah, Hollywood. Or entertainment. Yep. Education. Sports. Sports. And healthcare. Why do we have an issue with healthcare? And these were the four, the big four in empire. You have pleasure. Power, the idea of self, all found in those four pillars of the Roman world. That should sound familiar. So let me ask you another question. Give me a one-word answer. You give me multiple one-word answers. <laughs> what comes to mind when you think of authority? Somebody's got to be the boss. The boss, power. Oppression. Control. See, empire says peace can only come through war and victory, but God's kingdom says peace comes through grace. And this is completely countercultural. Yeah, it sounds softer. Sounds less painful. That is definitely countercultural. We don't hear that in our leadership now. And then there's Jesus. And there are some things that he says that the way that he teaches that people really gravitate to. Yeah, the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 1, verse 22 says, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority not as teachers of the law. And in Matthew, he records kind of the same thing. It's uh, 7, 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And I think in this case with Jesus, authority means he had the understanding of the Old Testament. He knew the teachings of God, and he could say with a certain kind of oomph and chutzpah in power. This is how you should interpret and understand the law. This is how you should live out the law. So when it says Jesus spoke with authority or taught as one who had authority, it's not the authority that comes with control or oppression or power in that sense. But Jesus comes with a different authority and people gravitated to him. So I want to take a look at the first recorded teachings that Matthew records of Jesus. We know them as the Beatitudes. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are a light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In a Roman world that's filled with power, oppression, status, pleasure, greed, the Jewish world that looked for a Messiah who they thought would be a military leader who would destroy Rome, this is the message that Jesus, the Messiah, brings. The crowd that he spoke to would have been full of of Romans. Um, You may have had some zealots. You may have had other Gentiles. You would have had very devoted Jews. And this is the message that you teach. Remember, the Roman world is all about status and wealth and achieving higher levels in that class order, and Jesus teaches something that is completely counter to that world. Even to Jews who were looking for Messiah to be a military leader. We want a king. We want a king. What does that sound like in our recent culture? And Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. That doesn't sound like a, a military leader who's going to wage war. So Paul sums it up in the Galatians 3, 26-28. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, we are all children of God through faith. So I think the message of Jesus is Actually, pretty simple. Love God, love others, right? Yeah. Peace, shalom that comes with Jesus uh, was pretty attractive, and that world needed it, and so do we. When a slave could eat with a Roman citizen and a person of high status who had always been served by others got to experience the freedom of serving others, I mean, what a powerful thing to have been a servant and to have been fed by somebody of a you know, formerly really high status to be put on the same level. It was, it had to be beautiful for both of them. And that's why I think when, as followers of Jesus, we are countercultural and we act and we carry ourselves in the same way that Jesus does, the people will be drawn to that. They'll see the idea of love God and love others carried out in action, not just in word. And that's going to be something that they will say, I want to know more about. I want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. So this last question, 
and I'm just going to leave it hanging out there and we're going to close. How will we be countercultural? Thanks for joining us and we will catch you next week. All right. Bye-bye.